be sure to listen all the way through this episode to catch Coach Liz on Miles of Books. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm sitting here by myself because it is part two of my annual tradition to talk with my co-hosts one after another, have them reflect on their athletic accomplishments in the past year, their highs, their lows, as well as to look forward to the new year. And I'm joined first by Ellison Weist. Hello, Ellison. Hello, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing really well. Yeah, well, you you couldn't you couldn't say that for some parts of this year. You you had a really long, slow recovery from a double whammy to your lungs. So you got to remind folks about that. Oh gosh, that was yeah, that was mainly in uh, twenty the late twenty twenty one. I got double pneumonia. Had gotten over that. That was a long, hard slog, and then I got COVID, mm. <laughs> and I I didn't have a bad case. I mm-hmm. was laid up for about a a week, maybe Mm -hmm. eight days, but the recovery of it as far as getting out, even walking was very, very long. Yeah. And now I seem to sort of, you know, a couple of months where I can run, you know, a mile, mile and a half, and then I'll have weeks where it's just tough. Mm. But I I think what I've really learned through all this, and I've talked about this before, is you just got to go where you are. Mm. You just got to meet yourself. Mm -hmm where you and your body are at the time. Mm -hmm. And I have a group that I go out and walk and or jog a little bit with Tuesday and Thursday mornings Mm -hmm. around six in the morning. And we have a great time. And I just figure, you know, just keep going. And then on the other days, try to do something on my own. Oh, I didn't realize it was that organized. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is. It's a group from my church. They they used to call it pump and pray, but then they realized that people were intimidated by the pump part. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, was that because they were pumping their arms or pumping iron? Or? They, they were using hand weights. Some oh. of them were, you know, using like five, eight pound weights and doing that. Uh-huh. They said that lasted a couple of months, but the name stuck. Uh-huh. They liked pump and pray. <laughs> so, and at another point, they were kind of commiserating because we've only got a core group of about five and we've been trying to get other people. And so I said, well, you guys have really helped get me back into shape. I wasn't able to, you know, even run a mile, a mile and a half until now I could, I could get up and put a plug in. And two of the women said, no, no, don't do that because then they'll all be expecting us to run. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, but this yeah. this is different than the running club that you that's there in your yes, hometown. Yes, yes, oh. the running club. Once once the uh, double pneumonia hit, mm-hmm. uh you have to pay dues once a year for that mm-hmm. and I was just like, no. And they do have organized runs. They have track workouts, oh. they have hill workouts, which I used to love because mm-hmm. I love doing hill workouts. Mm-hmm. Look at you. With, Yep, would much rather do that than speed workouts. Mm, okay. And then long runs, but no, I've I've lapsed in that group. Well, I have to ask you, I mean, how much were the dues that you were like, oh, no, I'm not joining again? 10 bucks a year. <laughs> Stop it, Alice. <laughs> no, I swear to God. <laughs> this is this, room this is a woman a who once found a $100 bill <laughs> yeah. while she was running won't pay $10 for an annual yeah. membership. Yeah, we used to get discounts, not huge, but discounts on races. Of course, you can still do a race down in this neck of the woods for 35 bucks. Wow. And do yeah. you get anything for that? Uh, not usually except for a medal. You get a medal. Don't get a shirt. Uh, usually the t-shirts are extra. So... But still, sorry, sorry, I had to go over and let the dog in. Uh, he was scratching at the door. Hey, That's why Augie. I was like, I got away from. Yes, yes. <laughs> so okay, so you wouldn't pay ten bucks to be the annual membership, but are you? I mean, are you thinking maybe you'll rejoin in twenty twenty four? Do you want me to uh, send you, you know, a tenner? I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna leave that open. My goal for twenty twenty four is to run at least one. 5k and even hearing myself say that i think oh my gosh if my former self could hear me say that they would be yelling you wuss 
<laughs> I know. I do want to ask that. And you sound, you just sound so upbeat and jovial about all this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Ellison, I'll remind people, you are a woman who qualified for Boston the first time she ever ran a marathon. And right. that you ran Boston several times. And Boston's not the be all end all, but I'm just trying to, you know, to show people that you were a high caliber of runner, very dedicated. Yeah. And now, now you seem okay with this. I am. Mm-hmm. I really am. I think I've said before that it took me a while to sort of let give myself permission mm-hmm. to not be that runner anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think we all have to come to a point where we cannot do things again, you know, the same way. And I tell you, I'm just now, it really, it sounds schmaltzy. I know Pollyannish, but I am so, so grateful for the time that I was running. I have fond memories of running with you, Mm. of running with Monica, of doing every single one of those races. And I'm just happy that I was able to do that. And Mm -hmm. I'm happy that now I'm able to go out and, you know, continue to walk and at certain times continue to run. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You you need to give a class or bottle it or something, because I think there's a lot (laughs) of people who are like, how did you get there? How did you get in that place? So, yeah. 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 So I know, speaking of health things, I know you pay a fair bit of attention to bone health. Yes. So um, because of your diagnosis of osteoarthritis, osteoporosis. Osteoporosis. I'm right on the edge of it. They have some name. Don't ask me. Osteopedia or something. (laughs) Uh Okay. Okay. So is strength training a part of your life? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. But um, I have to be careful because in my case, the area that's really the most damaged is my neck. Oh. So I've had to be a little bit more careful about what I can do, like um, kettlebells completely out. Oh. Even with good training, I just have to be very, very aware of not putting any strain on my neck. Mm -hmm. So... And who let you know that a physical therapist or your doctor? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I think, you know, the main thing that I want to tell people is, especially if you're small boned, you know, I think, like I told you, without uh, smoking, you know, I never smoked, Mm -hmm. but I'm sort of the poster child because Mm -hmm. I'm white, Mm -hmm. small boned, Mm -hmm. uh, have always been thin Mm -hmm. and um, Mm Anglo-Saxon. I think those are the mm-hmm. those are the ones. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Somebody else can correct me if there are a couple more. Mm-hmm. And I just want to you know tell people that even my first bone density scan when I was about sixty sixty one, mm-hmm. I came out with flying colors. Wow! Three years later, I was you know I had tanked mm. tremendously. Wow! I don't think I really paid enough attention to things like calcium. Mm-hmm. I was taking magnesium. Uh, but I don't think I, I think I just figured that was going to give me a, you know, I, I had a gimme for the next five or 10 mm-hmm. years and I didn't. Right. Particularly because you'd been a devoted runner for yes. so long. So all that pounding. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Yep. So just something to think about folks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. Okay. Well, everyone knows you as, you know, the book bully, the reader, the one who talks all about winter reading and summer reading and, and folks who have not heard it already, they need to go back in our feed and see that the winter reading podcast just aired on December 15. It was a particularly good episode with lots of good tangents, which I just love going on with you, Allison. <laughs> <laughs> we can't run together, but we can still go on tangents. So <laughs> yes, we still have a good laugh. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so you had so many books that I had to say, you got to save some of these for the year-end podcast. So so lay them (laughs) on us. (laughs) Okay. Well, well, the first one, I really think if, if, um, if folks have time, would be a great book to gift uh, either the your favorite smart ass, uh, <laughs> somebody <laughs> somebody who likes a little bit of strange fiction, mm. and it's called The Starter Villain by, I think it's John Scalzi, mm-hmm. and this will be in the show notes, I know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is not my usual type of book, mm. but I just found it just hilarious. It's essentially about a young man named Charlie who's divorced. 
living in his parents' house. They're dead, and his siblings are really trying to get him out of the house so that they can sell it. Mm. And all all Charlie wants to do is buy this little pub uh, downtown that's always been a great gathering place, but he doesn't have the money to do that. Mm. He's, he's, he's barely employed. Mm-hmm. He finds out that a long-lost uncle has left his business to him. And as Charlie understood it, his uncle actually built parking structures. But he comes to find out that his uncle actually had sort of a, a, a villain business, a, a <laughs> sort of a ne'er-do-well business. And he gets caught up in this. And this business has its own uh, island that has a, you know, honest-to-God volcano on it. <laughs> and he is thrust into the middle of this and comes to find out that his uncle had a lot of enemies who have now transferred their animosity towards him. Oh. Um, I'd really recommend this for people that like, like I said, sort of smart-ass humor. Mm-hmm. If you do not like uh, foul language. Mm. There's not a ton of it in here, but there are some unionized talking dolphins that have potty mouths. Uh, it's not a hilarious. sentence you hear very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I just found it kind of a rollicking good book. Mm-hmm. And I know rollicking has been my word of the year. I like it. <laughs> I also let Carl, my husband, read it, and he loved it as well. Oh, good. Good. All right. And then, then you have two that you think are great for book clubs. Very much so. Um, I love Ron Rash. Um, he is a North Carolina writer who, if you're not familiar with him, he wrote Serena. And he also writes wonderful, really incredible short stories. So Mm. look him up for those as well. But his latest novel is called The Caretaker. And typically, I'm not a huge fan of his novels. I prefer his short stories. Mm. But I enjoyed this one. It takes place in the late 1950s in a small town in western North Carolina, where he sets a lot of his stories. And it concerns the caretaker of the a cemetery, the town cemetery, who's a, a young man named Blackburn who was disfigured through a bout of polio. Mm. And Blackburn's only friend growing up and, and into young adulthood is a young man named Jacob. And Jacob comes from a very wealthy family. He's an only child and his parents uh, dote on him to the point of wanting to direct his life. Mm. And Jacob falls in love with uh, a girl from the other side of the tracks, Naomi, marries her much to his parents' displeasure. In fact, they decide that they are going to just disinherit him. Hmm. And that doesn't really make a difference to him. But when Naomi gets pregnant, Jacob realizes he needs to find a way to support her. So he goes and joins the army and is sent over to Korea. Hmm. And he asks, Blackburn to care for her, to watch out for her. Mm. And we see this going on, but then not too long into the book, there's a dreadful, dreadful act of betrayal. And it's not what you would think when you, after you've heard me describe the book. Mm-hmm. And this act of betrayal really focuses and sort of turns the story on its head. Mm. And I really think book clubs will like this because there are these these questions that come up because of this act of betrayal. A lot of what would you do? What would you have done? Mm. How would you have reacted? Mm. Very beautifully rendered. Mm. And I would think that a lot of people, if they haven't read any Ron Rash, uh, if you start with this, I think you'll want to go farther. Oh, good. I love finding a new author and then, you know, just exploring the whole canon of their work. I know. Mm. I love that, too. Mm-hmm. And the second novel is one I literally just finished yesterday, mm-hmm. and it's one that I've been meaning to read for a while, The Postcard by Anne Barrest. Mm-hmm. This is a French book that won several awards in France. It's been translated, and I'm just going to kind of read a little bit about it because it's a little, um, I don't know if I'll do it justice otherwise. Okay. In January 2003, Anne Brest's family got an anonymous postcard, and it was delivered to their family home in Paris. And on the front, a photo of the Opera Garnier 
On the back, the names of Anne Breast's maternal great-grandparents, Ephraim and Emma, and their children, Naomi and Jacques, all killed at Auschwitz. And what Anne Breast does is her family, she and her mother, uh, are very concerned about who sent this postcard and why. It just has, it's just sent uh, to their grandmother's attention, and she's dead. It just has mm. these four names. So what mm. Barest does is she actually turns this into a novel. It's featuring mm. herself and her mother, and mm. it features this the family, the Rabinovich family. And she seeks not only to get a deeper understanding of what happened to them, but about this awful period in French history mm-hmm. uh, and some sort of hidden things that her mother either didn't know or didn't want her to know. And then, of course, the biggest question of all, who sent this postcard? Sure. Wow. Oh. That's an interesting mix of, of reality and fiction. Yes. And it's very mm-hmm. interesting the way she does it. You never lose sight of the fact that this is about her family, but it does, Mm -hmm. in fact, read very much like a novel. Mm, Yeah. Fascinating. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, look forward to talking more books with you in the new year, as well as hearing about where your running goes in 2024. So thank you, Ellison, for joining us. Definitely. Yes. All right. All right. Good. Have a lovely holiday with your adorable family. Thank you, Sarah. Same to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Welcome, Tish Hamilton. Always great to talk with you. Hi, Sarah. It's always great talking with you as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, obviously, the highlight of your athletic year was being part of our retreat on Hilton Head Island. You know, it well, actually, it really, truly was, and I'm not just saying that <laughs> to support the podcast. <laughs> it was so much fun to see you and Dimity in person after all these years. Oh, I know. We, have, we have known each other forever and ever, but yes. we don't see each other that often. I know. I know. My goodness. I think back at the lunches we would have in New York City when I'd be out there for business. Remember, we ate a re- at a really good Asian place one time. I remember I that. I am sure we did mm-hmm. <laughs> more than once. <laughs> <laughs> and it was also so great to meet so many women in the mm-hmm. Another Mother Runner community mm-hmm. and just connect. And, and you know, I had fun during the official sessions. Yeah. But I also had so much fun in the impromptu stuff. So I was like thinking about what my highlights were for that weekend. And, and one of them was riding the beach bikes around with oh, Dimity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we, we rode the bikes over to pick up our race numbers. And, mm-hmm. you know, that um, Hilton Head has all those what you call leisure paths, leisure right? Paths. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and so you just, you can ride and feel like, you know, you're not in traffic. It feels pretty safe. Mm-hmm. And there's like beach bomber bikes. It was just so fun. Mm-hmm. And we picked up our race numbers and then Dimity's like, oh, I want to ride on the beach. And I'm like, okay, okay Dimity. <laughs> and, and I went with, there were about four or five of us who stayed with her. And, and I went as far back as the hotel and she's like, I'm riding to the end of the island. I'm like, okay, I think I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) And then, but that same time, like I walked up to the hotel and there you were sitting with a few of the gals from the retreat and Mm -hmm. we just kind of hung out and chatted for a while. Exactly. That's, that's, that's how I roll. Just hang out and chat that because we had nice weather, you know, a little beach breeze blowing. It was, it was fabulous. Yes. So, okay. So there was a great quarter marathon that you and I both ran on Hilton Head. It gave you a, a new PR. Yes, I'm, mm-hmm. I love that. I love the new distance, and, and it's a, it's an awesome distance because you know you run hard for just about an hour and and call it a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but it is you know it is noticeably longer than a 10k. Oh, absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Because you get you get to like the, the right around the three mile mark, you think okay, halfway, but not really. <laughs> I was I was telling a runner buddy of mine about the race yesterday. I hadn't talked to him in a while. And I was like, it's definitely longer than a 10K. And I could hear the skepticism in his reply. And I was like, Will, you just don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You go do one and get back to me. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) So I only realized as I was writing these notes up that that race was the same weekend as the New York City Marathon. I know. Mm -hmm. And and was it intentional for me to do something different? Absolutely. A (laughs) hundred percent. Yeah. So so talk more about that. I mean, because remind folks how many times you've done New York City. 
I have done New York City, I think, 11 times, 11 or 12. I, mm-hmm. I always have to go look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, ne- and not consecutively, although mm-hmm. I, you know, pretty close to consecutively over since 2015. I missed a couple of years. It was a COVID year, of course, and then I missed another year. Mm. And I have been doing it often with two of my really dear friends, running friends, Jody Lee Alper and, and Susan Fisher. And we have often done it all three together. We don't usually start in the same wave, but mm. you know, you go over there together. It's such a mm-hmm. long day of traveling over to the sure starting is. line yeah. and hanging out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of epic. Mm-hmm. And then both, um, Susan's husband and her kids and, and my partner, boyfriend Rick and my daughter have gone in to watch us. And mm-hmm. New York is a great marathon to watch because you can go from place to place on subway. And, mm-hmm. and so it's been sort of a, you know, collective friend family event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this year I didn't have a qualifying time and I didn't get into the lottery. And so I wasn't doing it. And, you know, it's a mixed, blessing right mm-hmm, um it's mm-hmm. i'm you know sad not to do it of course but now i live in georgia getting up to new york is is expensive as mm-hmm. anybody who travels to a marathon knows mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta pay for the hotel and the flights and the, right. all the meals out and uh, right. so yeah. it, it was okay to take a break for that while i'm paying for college <laughs> <laughs> so you're like sure sarah i'll drive an hour over from savannah to hilton head to give presentations that sounds perfect <laughs> It was no, it was it was awesome because it also it was just so it was so much fun and it didn't I not for a second was I thinking oh I really wish I had mm-hmm. gone up to New York instead oh good uh, oh good yeah good good yeah. good yeah okay well so so that quarter marathon was not your only race of 2023 yeah and you know actually um, just last weekend we had a 10k here in mm-hmm. Savannah mm-hmm. Um, which is called the Bridge Run and you run up and over the Savannah Bridge and then turn around and run back up and over it again. Uh-huh. <laughs> and to your point, a uh, uh, quarter marathon is definitely longer than a 10K. Because <laughs> we came to that six mile mark like, thank God, this is almost over. <laughs> and uh, so you did that one. And then how did you have many other races this year? Uh, there was, I did a half marathon also in Savannah. Um, uh, the women's half marathon is in mm-hmm. April. Mm-hmm. And for all my friends listening, please come join me for the women's half marathon on April 6th here in Savannah, Georgia. It'd be so great to see people. Mm-hmm. And I, I did that one as well, hoping to get the elusive qualifying time for New York City Marathon. You can use the half marathon time. Right, right. But I, I wasn't even close. Mm. And so I think that that dream is kind of put on hold for a few more years. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be going back to trying to just get in through the lottery. I will give it a try. I, I want, you know, the chances are so slim mm. that I, I won't, I'm not going to bank on it. But my dear friend Jody is qualified. My dear friend Susan did the thing where you, you can do in New York, you can do, um, it's called the nine plus one mm-hmm. where you run nine New York City Marathon, New York Roadrunner races and volunteer for one. And that, mm-hmm. that gets you a qualified entry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Complicated. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, though, they're going to have to, I would think they're going to have to stiffen those limitations and make it so that you volunteer for more than one because... I don't know. I just think it, it's so popular. I can't imagine that that that, that funnel. They might get too many people trying to go through that funnel. But uh, you have to be. You have to. You have to run nine nine, nine yeah. New York Roadrunner and, in the and same calendar cheap. year. Yeah. Oh, that's a good yeah, consideration. Yeah. The cost yeah. of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's that's a popular program, but it's not so popular that they need okay. to shut it down. Okay. It's a back door that, that still can remain yeah, open. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, and you've mentioned Savannah a couple of times. You're an active member of the Savannah Striders Club there in Georgia. So I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so what does that all entail? And what does having that club in your life mean to you? It's so great to have have that club. And, you know, uh, relocating to a new city is really difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there's all kinds of upsides, of course. But the challenge is, you know, you leave your friends behind. And your grocery store, your favorite grocery stores. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still mad about the grocery store. <laughs> You're not a fan of Publix? Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm my beloved ShopRite up in New Jersey. That's... I miss you, ShopRite. <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever said that. I, I miss not. you, ShopRite. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's my stand-in for missing my friends, right? <laughs> but, you know, um, having a running club to join is just a really great way to, to make instant 
if not deep friendships, like mm-hmm. really friendly people. Mm-hmm. And there's a, their club runs every Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. And my boyfriend Rick had moved down to Savannah before me. Um, mm-hmm. And so he uh, was hanging out with the running club a lot. And it was great for him to have a, you know, built-in friend group pretty much instantly. Mm-hmm. In fact, that the um, Savannah Bridge Run that I was talking about, there's a woman in our running club who is trying to think she is 74 and back in the day her marathon pr is something like a 310 oh oh my yes yes when she was my age so i'm 61 now Mm -hmm. i and i ran i ran the 10k in i think 57 or 58 minutes when jenny was my age she ran it in wait for this 43 minutes. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I, I do have to say, you sent a photo. She is smaller than you are. She's, she is considerably smaller than me, and, and I'm not a tall person. <laughs> I kn- that's, the, that was, that's the caveat. Yes. <laughs> wow. Wow. Our, yeah. p- our point being that certainly she has a gift. She has skill. She has dedication. I'm not, you know, questioning any of those things, but being lighter is makes it easier oh, to go faster. I mean she's just she's just tiny. Mm-hmm. She's a tiny human. Mm-hmm. Um, she's de- and that's her genetic gift. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Wow. You know, I'm thinking about doing a someone wrote to us, emailed us and um talking about their what their mother is in her eighties. I forget what age she is and she still runs I think two to four miles a day. Oh, awesome. And so she was suggesting that we do an episode about, you know, significantly older runners and kind of their, hear them talk about it and get some of their secrets. So I've made a note to myself that, you know, a 74 year old who could be a guest on that podcast. I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I love that idea for a podcast. Oh, I, know. <laughs> I want to co-host it. I'm raising my hand here. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Everybody's very, listening. Yeah, You're hearing it. Right. Very good. <laughs> very good. If get some unicorns and you and I will talk to them. So, yeah. <laughs> so, well, what's on your athletic docket for the new year? Um, well, I do think I will return to that, that half marathon I was just talking about, which mm-hmm. is in April, the women's half. I would like to do one sooner just because, you know, Savannah's warm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've heard it, that. It was, yeah, it was pretty warm the day, the, the day of that race. So, mm. I, you know, that's why I'm not going to touch, get anywhere close to a, fa- you know, air quotes fast, fast uh, for me time. Uh-huh, right? uh-huh. But I haven't, I haven't decided which one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, see how things shake out. Is that a, is that a switch for you to, you know, so you move from New Jersey down to Georgia to have your athletic kind of high spots of the year shift to different seasons. Oh, yes. And, you know, people in the running club talk about that a lot Mm because there are quite a few people who have moved here from other parts of the country and how, Mm -hmm. you know, you you really have to you really have to consider that if you're trying to shoot for any kind of time, Mm -hmm. like the window in which it's not going to be hot is pretty small. In fact, a group of folks from the running club were down in uh, Jacksonville, Florida this past weekend running a half and it went up to 75 degrees. Mm. You know, I was like, "Mm, that's Mm. too warm for me. That is too warm. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because here I live in Portland, Oregon, Dimity's in Denver. And so we have a very kind of north of the Mason-Dixon line view of when the racing season is. And it's like, oh, spring and fall. And I always be like, well, you know, in Texas, they have a lot of races and a lot of marathons in the wintertime. In January, because they're just hoping for that rare, not hot day. (laughs) Becoming more and more (laughs) rare. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. So no, no marathons right now for you on your calendar. I don't have a marathon on my calendar right now. We'll 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 see if I if I get into New York, we'll, that will mm-hmm, change. Mm-hmm. And then I also think mm-hmm. about you know since I've moved down here uh, and I've run New York a lot, maybe I should consider doing something down here. Instead. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> hey, that's what you're <laughs> you going to ask <laughs> because that is such a person who lives in the tri-state area frame of mind. It's the it's exactly. the marathon. It is the mm-hmm. marathon, mm-hmm. right? Right, and 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 people will say to you up there, like, "Are you running the marathon?" Say, like, "No, I'm 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 running Philadelphia." I'm like, "Oh, well, how long is that marathon?" <laughs> <laughs> so so provincial yet urbanely snobby at the same time, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so yeah, so so I mean, is there a marathon that that intrigues you? You know that. Like for a long time, I thought about Marine Corps. I just thought I I love running in D.C., seeing the monuments. And um, 
I just, the military I find very moving. And so, you know, that's one that I think about. I used to think about Paris Marathon and then I'm like, wait a minute, why would I want to ruin a, a lovely trip to Europe by running a marathon? Uh, oh, I loved the Paris Marathon. That was so awesome. I I, but but you're, I get yeah. your point. Like my, my daughter keeps telling me that, you know, you can just go to Paris. You don't have to run the marathon. Right. Yeah. And particularly, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, there, I only have X number of overseas trips left, I think, in my lifetime and my pocketbook, right. that whole thing. And like, mm, right. Yeah. So, so, but are there marathons that, that pique your interest? Um, you know, have you run Marine Corps? I have not, no. Yeah, I, I've run that a few times, and actually, my partner Rick is a was a, a marine. Oh. Uh, that's that's another one that's really great, but also the weather oh, plays my goodness. into it. Look at this year, jeez, oh, you know how that they had to cut it short. They had to cut it short, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm not doing that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, Chicago, lovely marathon. Yeah, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I've done that, and it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensing a theme here. Uh, <laughs> right. Have a mayor's, yeah. mayor's marathon in Anchorage in June. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a cousin who lives in North Carolina, and there's one near to her i think she's in raleigh mm-hmm. and it's in march and i thought oh that that could be fun to do she's she's right around she's either a, i think she's two years younger than me mm-hmm. so this would be the year oh wait no I was hold say, the different age bracket but you <laughs> turn 62 in january don't you yeah when's her she, birthday though uh, right exactly <laughs> i can hear <laughs> i can i can hear the cogs spinning from all this distance away because <laughs> she's definitely faster than me so i'd have to get <laughs> I'd have to go before she turns 60. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're doing as soon as you hang up the, this call, texting her, hey, when's right. your, remind me, when's your birthday? I think it's in August, so I might be good. No wonder we adore each other so much, Tish. Oh, my goodness. We'll have a lovely holiday season, and I look forward to hosting many episodes with you in 2024. Thank, thank you so much, and yeah. happy holidays to you and yours as well. Okay, thanks, Tish. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All righty. It's time for a quick break to hear from the brands that support this podcast. I'll be back shortly to chat with more co-hosts. Well, last but certainly not least is Liz Waterstrot. Hello, Liz. Hi, Sarah. All right, Liz, as you know, my son John is an incredibly hardworking, skilled dancer, and unlike his mother, he's incredibly humble. So I have to say, though, if there were a competitive prize for being humble, I think you'd have him beat. So I have uh-huh. I have my work cut out for me to get you to talk about the races that you did this year. <laughs> so. Let's see how you do. <laughs> yes. So so please tell us about a few of them. And I guess if you must, you can leave off the details about your podium finishes. All right. So so give us experiential, not results. Give us um, is it yeah, output? Um, yeah. Output, not outcome. There you go. <laughs> People will know um, what we're talking about if they listen to stick if, around and listen to miles of books. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, I did five races this year, which mm. is not too many. I went into the year without having a set race plan mm. and I just let myself figure out what I wanted to do. I'm someone who I, I know this sounds very cliche, but I love the process. I get great joy in waking up and just swimming, biking, or running. Mm-hmm. And so I just enjoyed that. And I just kind of let things evolve. And I got to, you know, midway through the year and I said, okay, I, th- I think I want to do a race or two. So I did two sprint triathlons. They were more local ones. I did very well. You know, people always worry about or wonder, oh, can I stay fast? into my forties? And the Mm -hmm. answer is yes. Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so that was nice to see. And then, you know, once I got through the summer, I think like many parents, I find it really hard to commit to my own plan in the summer because Mm -hmm. the kids are home and there's so many other attractive options. And plus that's when as a coach, that's our busiest season. So Mm -hmm. I let myself get through that. And then I said, okay, now I think I'm ready to do two, what I would call more serious races in the fall. Mm -hmm. And so I actually only targeted one 70.3, 
Hmm. And I went to Texas and did that. And, and yes, it went, it went well, it wasn't perfect, but it went well. And then when I finished that, I thought to myself, you know, I still feel good and I'm healthy Hmm. and I just want to do one more and use my fitness up and then call it a season. So (laughs) I I did a a 70.3 out in California. It also Hmm. went well. And, and that's it. That, that closed the chapter on 2023. Mm, mm. And was there some gravel riding in there as well? Well, well, I always ride my gravel bike. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't like, I'm not a competitive gravel racer though. I mean, that's a whole different sport and yeah, whole different sport and mindset. And you actually have to be really good and skilled to perform well at that and race at that, um, with Mm. any like level of not, feeling like you're going to kill yourself out there. So <laughs> I'm just like, uh, we have all of these wonderful gravel uh, rails, rails to trails around here is what they're mm. called. And mm-hmm. so I'm always out there a couple times a week on my bike. That's amazing that your uh, rails to trails are gravel rather than yeah. paved. Mm-hmm. Well, I think up north, like around where Coach Jen lives, the paths are more paved. And I, I mm-hmm. don't know why that is. But around here, it's just this wonderful crushed limestone, not very technical. So when I do go do a gravel race, it's a it's a rude mm. awakening because other places have <laughs> chunky rocks and ruts and things that I'm not used to navigating. Where's my pea gravel? Exactly. <laughs> yes, I want my nice, like, you know, the truck goes through there a few times a summer and smooths it out. I want someone to roll the carpet out for me. The equivalent of your own Zamboni. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. <laughs> well, like I tell you, if I come out to Naperville to do a podcast recording party i want to go gravel riding with you can we do that uh you could probably use one of my husband's bikes and it, well how tall yes. is he what he's five ten. he's about oh, your height yeah, perfect yeah mm-hmm. great <laughs> yeah. all right okay well that that trip is just shaping up from every angle so i think i'm <laughs> gonna have to make that happen so okay liz so you mentioned you know that you just love waking up and and swimming and running and biking so you are a dedicated multi-sport athlete but if push came to shove and you could only do one sport what would it be Oh my gosh, you didn't tell me you were going to ask really hard questions on this. Um, I would probably choose biking Mm. because I feel like you can see more places, go more places, Mm. and it's probably something you could do late into life. I just feel like running after a while, you know, you you didn't, you didn't say like, if you, if you could never get injured and only pick one sport for the rest of your life, which would you pick? (laughs) (laughs) See now, but that's all intriguing to me because when I wrote that question, I thought swimming would be your answer. No swimming. I mean, swimming is nice and it feels good, but oh my gosh, like today I went swimming. Mm -hmm. Why is the water so cold? Why do you have to get wet? (laughs) You know, and then does time slow down when you're in the pool or is it just me? Like, I feel for the first 10 to 15 minutes, it's slower, but then I feel I blink and a bunch of time's gone by. So yeah, I I don't know. I started swimming meters recently and I just Mm. feel like it's some sort of time warp where it's like (laughs) min, like seconds just crawl along so much slower than in a yards pool. I'm like, how is this only 2000 meters? I feel like I've been in here a day. How, how is it a, a uh, 25 meter pool or is it, are it you is. swimming long course? Oh, okay. Oh gosh. Long course is a whole different animal. Oh, I love that's, long course. That's like, I swear to you, a 3000 long course beaters is like a week has passed in your life. You, <laughs> you get out. It's, it's a totally different day. <laughs> <laughs> I love swimming long course. And we should say to people who don't know what we're talking about. Long course is when you swim the length of an Olympic size pool instead of the width yeah. of an Olympic size pool. Yeah. It is nice. It is nice. Mm, I just love it. Oh my goodness. There's an Olympic size pool in Bend, Oregon that I, when I occasionally, when we go over there, oh my goodness, it's outdoors. And one Mother's Day, it snowed a little bit while I was swimming. It was just pure magic. That is oh my nice. Goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you said that, you know, you did your, that first 70.3 and you're like, huh, I still got some life left in me and I don't have any injuries. I mean, Liz, what is your secret for avoiding injury? Oh gosh. Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've suffered as many injuries as, as the next athlete out there. Um, but I will say in this past year, I want to knock on something, but Barry would kill me if I made noise right now. Um, I'm like glued to my microphone. Don't move, don't move. <laughs> but um, as far as, you know, this year was a, was a really good stress stretch. I had no injuries. And I think it's because I finally 
just really listened to what my body was telling me. I know a lot of people say like, oh, you have to do mobility and you have to do strength training. And when I am swimming and biking and running with any sort of focus and seriousness, I cannot add that to my program. It does. Mm. It is like too much. um, It's too much neurological load. It's like my system Mm. just is at its limits already. And so even though these extra things should be good things for me, they end up being bad things. And when I put that stuff into my program, I actually end up more injured. So mm. I just took it out. I know very controversial. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. late forties woman, no strength training. <laughs> how, how am I kept together? But, um, I just think it speaks to, you know, everybody has their own formula. And of course there's going to be what works for most people, but there are outliers. And so I would say if you struggle with injury, really take a good hard look at what am I doing? What am I trying to do? And what really works for me? I know for me, take out the mobility, take out the strength training. And this sounds really weird. I have to remind myself to almost overeat because Mm. I'm one of those people who sort of exists in low energy by Mm. default. Not, Mm. it's not like I don't, I refuse to eat or I have eating restrictions or something or disordered behavior even that's intentional. Um, it just happens because I'm busy and I'm going from one thing to the next and, I really struggle with meal planning. So for me, mm-hmm. when I sit down, I have to remind myself to eat more than I naturally want to, to eat more earlier in the day. And mm. it's like the combination of all of those things together has helped me with the injury prevention. Mm. All right. Wow. Excellent. So last year, this sorry, this year, you went into the year with no races on your calendar. So do you have anything planned out for 2024 yet? I do not. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And anything just kind of jiggling out there, you know, dangling out there that is calling your name? Not yet. And Mm -hmm. I think that's because I just raced two weeks ago. (laughs) And so, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to let it just let things sit for a bit. And Mm -hmm. I feel like something will jump out to me or something will pop into my head. I'm not there yet, but I'm just Mm going to let it evolve. I mean, I I really admire those people who cross the finish line and they're already signed up for their next one. Mm. I think that's incredible drive and motivation. And there was a time in my life when I did that too, Mm -hmm. but I just find these days, I just kind of let things evolve a little bit more naturally and just kind of see what what calls to me or what ignites my, you know, that spark or interest. And, and I know it sounds really wishy-washy I'm, and I'm not like a fly by the seat of my pants, but I, I will figure it out. And when I do, I will go into it with, you know, good preparation and, and goals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because your husband, the five foot ten one who's going to loan me his gravel bike, um, because he is also an accomplished triathlete himself, how much do you have to, and, and you have three young kids, how much do you have to, you know, sit down and have a conversation with him? And I mean, who gets first dibs, all that stuff? <laughs> well, my husband is is the guy who he's got all of his races signed up for. He's already made travel plans, plane tickets, hotel reservations. So <laughs> that answers that. And yes. I've, I assume many moms out there are in a similar situation where you almost become the afterthought. And I mean that in the most loving way. I adore my husband and I support whatever he wants to do athletically, but he definitely has a different way of approaching it than I do. And so mm-hmm. rather than stressing myself out um, or trying to figure out how to fit it all in, I just, and I feel like all of this stuff is really important to him and he mm-hmm. loves it way more than I do even to, to still mm-hmm. compete. So I just let him kind of run with his own things. And <laughs> and then I figure out, you know, based on the kid's schedule and everything else, like what will actually work for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I like it. I also love that I can hear you say all of this with a smile on your face. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know. I mean, you can plan everything out, but as we know, life does not always go to plan. So I just feel like when you have some flexibility and you keep a smile on your face through it all, that it's okay to not have things perfect and planned and certain and, and just go with the flow a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's what we're going to end on, except that if folks want to hear more from you, Liz, they need to make sure they stick around because we have miles of books coming up. Yes. All right. Well, I look forward to talking with you many more times in 2024, Liz. Thanks so much. Thank you, Sarah. Okay. We've been talking a lot about what's on your 
athletic calendar for 2024, I got something for you to add. How about our Lake Placid retreat that is September 6th through 9th in that beautiful village that is in the Adirondacks. It has so much Olympic history. It was host to the 1932 and the 1980 games, and it is just in the most picturesque natural spot. The place we're staying, our host hotel is High Peaks Resort. It is right there in downtown Lake Placid, right on Main Street, as well as it backs up to Mirror Lake, which I cannot wait to go open water swimming. There are no 50 meters, no 25 meters. Nope, there's a whole lake to swim in. We will be doing lots of running. We will have expert speakers, great meals, a dance and karaoke party on the final night. You will leave with more friends than you ever knew possible to have all knowing that you love running or being active and just lots and lots of laughs. So please consider joining us again. That's September 6th through 9th in Lake Placid, New York. To find all the details, be enticed by pictures and to register, go to anothermotherrunner.com and click on the events in the top navigation. Again, anothermotherrunner.com. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medor from Fire in the Bluff. All right, so I am going to, we're, we're already recording because I remembered to press record. Um, and um, yeah, seriously, at the end of it, I thought, oh my God, if I talked to Tish that, or with Ellison the whole time and not remembered to press record, I would have just kicked myself. Hey, thanks for staying with us. This is Miles of Books, our bonus monthly segment. That's a quick chat with Liz Waterstrott, a coach in our Train Like a Mother Club and one of my occasional co-hosts. And she talks about her passionate pursuit of reading nonfiction books. Hello there, Liz. Hi, Sarah. All right. So on the November episode of Miles of Books, you shared that you'd already met your 2023 goal, you little overachiever you, to read <laughs> 52 nonfiction books. Am I right that that was your 2023 goal? Okay. So now it's December. And where does your annual book count stand now? I am currently at 57. Mm -hmm. And I might sneak in two or three more books by the end of the year. Uh, This is this is an exciting time of the year for us book lovers, because Mm -hmm. everyone comes out with their you know, top 10 books of 2023. Right. And you get all these lists of new books for 2024. And so you go on this big book buying binge. <laughs> and so I might not be able to wait to read some of those books. It's already been happening. I've you know <laughs> bought some and they arrive and they, they, they leap ahead of all the other books <laughs> I have in the queue. So, um, I might squeak in some more books there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now do you feel any burning desire to get to 60, that nice round number, or that's not? May, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, but I'm not, I'm also not going to rush it. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Well, one book that I know you've read is Output by Ben Sporer, PhD. So tell us about this book. It came out in the fall. But first, can you explain what the term output, one word, means in the context of this book? Sure. So to explain output, we really need to take a step back and give context to that explanation. Mm-hmm. So Sporer makes this distinction between performance, outcome, and output. Mm-hmm. So performance is the act of executing a task. Outcome is the resultant state influenced by many factors, and most of those are beyond our control. And output, finally, is the tangible expression of our efforts. Mm-hmm. So for right now, let's just focus on outcomes and outputs. So let's just say we want to run a 359 marathon. Mm-hmm. So the outcome is holding around a nine-minute mile. But the output is different than that outcome. And I think this is really important, especially for marathoners to wrap their head around, but any of us when we're setting a goal. So if the outcome is a nine-minute mile, that means we have to look at the output of our ability to hold a nine-minute pace. So to do that, we have to arrive at the start line healthy. We have to tolerate the travel it takes to get there. We have to fuel to keep our energy up. We have to hydrate. We have to manage weather and terrain. We have to resist fatigue. We have to stay mentally tough. So you can see that there are a lot of outputs that we will need to express in order to achieve our outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's important to note. Now, remember, we can't control an outcome, but we can control our ability to do a lot of those efforts. Mm. So 
by controlling our outputs, we can better prepare, we can better plan, and then increase our likelihood of arriving at the outcome. I know a lot of that sounds like a word puzzle that I just said, <laughs> but um, but the distinction is really important because when we set goals, we tend to think in terms of outcome. I want to break four hours without really having a grasp on what do you actually have to do to get there? And it's a lot more than just hold that whatever it is, like a, a, a nine or a 905 mile. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So before we hopped on this recording, you told me that you quote, like this book for end of year because everyone is thinking about goals for next year. So talk more about that, would you? Well, sure. So I think we're really good at setting goals. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's easy. It's, it's really exciting just to write down a goal on a piece of paper. That's the easy part. <laughs> but I would say to increase your odds of arriving at that goal, you really need to take a 360 degree look at what's involved. And again, marathoners, I'm looking at you. So, you know, they come to a coach and they say, Hey, I want to be Q without really taking a look at what's involved in arriving there. It's more than just that ability to hold a specific pace. It's choosing the right course and then being able to tolerate the demands of that course. Mm -hmm. So I would say this book really encourages you to get clear and honest about all that you can do to prepare en route to an outcome and how through that preparation, whether you arrive at the outcome or not, you learn to feel this profound sense of accomplishment and confidence because you did all that you could within your control and your abilities. Um, so then, you know, achieving the goal, while it's nice, it's not necessary for you to feel successful. Mm-hmm. And I would say another thing this book does is it really encourages you to dig into the gap between where you are now and where you want to be. Mm. You know, looking at your past performances and honestly saying, what did I do well? What did I not do well? Is this new goal even within my reach? I'll give you an example. An athlete recently said to me that she wants to be able to hold 840 for a marathon. Mm. This is someone who routinely holds 11 minute miles on her easy run pace. So the answer is not, no, you can't do that. The answer is, well, let's honestly look at where are you at now? Where do you want to go? And then how do we bridge that gap? What are the things that we need to work on to be able to get to your goal? Mm -hmm. Remember I did Nike women's marathon back in 2007. I had a, um, knew a mom from my older daughter's soccer team who also did the race. And I was talking about how I had wanted to break four hours on that race and I did not do it. And I think she, I don't know, ran like four, 12, four, something, four fifteen something like that. And she goes, Oh yeah. Huh. I guess if I had had that goal, I just would have run faster. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. That's how I could have reached the goal, but <laughs> It's easier said than done. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And think about it, like 12 minutes faster in a marathon, that's 30 seconds faster per mile. That's, Mm -hmm. that's nothing to sneeze at. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So you also told me that this book isn't for everyone. And why is that? Well, we mentioned the book is written by Ben Sporer, and he is a high-performance consultant to uh, mostly elite athletes and Olympians. So I felt that the book was really written toward a high-performance audience, so whether that's a coach, a physiologist, or even the elite athlete themselves, Mm. Um, though he does give plentiful examples outside of sport. But I think, you know, more importantly, why I wouldn't recommend this book to everyone is the style of it was a bit repetitive and the examples were really drawn out. And so I was willing to stick with it because I liked the overarching message. But I think that just by way of having this conversation, people would have gotten a lot out of the book uh, versus, you know, nothing, nothing to me, nothing draws out a book or distracts you more than just lots of examples. And I don't know if, am am I alone on that? Like, sometimes I feel like, listen, we've all been to school. We don't need like five different examples of your point. I get it. I know. And sometimes it's like, wait, where does, you know, if they're, you know, let's, let's focus on Jane for a moment. And then you're like scanning, where does he stop mentioning Jane? Okay. That's where he's going to get to his point. Yeah. Yes. And that's the other thing. Examples don't need to be pages long. And listen, I have never written a book. So I really have a hard time judging people's written works because I know they they do a lot to put themselves out there and they open themselves up to a lot of criticism. And mm-hmm. um, and I think this was a generally well thought out and well written book, but I do feel like the examples could have been scaled back a bit. Well, and I can't believe we've waited this long to ask the <laughs> important question, the Liz question. How many oh, pages is this? <laughs> this is 218. 
Mm. So it was short, but it's, and I was just thinking about this as I was preparing for this podcast. It's like 218 small pages. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. That, that there's, like, there's not a lot of space for words on each page. Well, sometimes like I'm looking at my second book that we'll be talking about. It's a slightly bigger book. So mm -hmm. it has more pages, but also each page has more words. Mm -hmm. So maybe I should be looking at word count. Maybe, maybe that's really the magical number I need to be looking at in these books. Well, see, but I also think as a consumer that if people are at the actual store, I know I'm being kind of old fashioned here, but if they, you know, if let's, let's say Ben had kept his Ben, let's say Dr. Sporer had kept <laughs> his examples, his anecdotes shorter or fewer, then maybe the book would have come in at, I don't know, 165 pages, you know, something like that. And someone holding that, are they going to say, oh yeah, I'm going to drop $24.95 on 165 pages. I suspect maybe the editor was like, let's stretch this out a little bit, get get over <laughs> 200, you know? So I know That's, you love a short book, but a lot of people feel like I'm not getting my money's worth. I'm not going to buy it. That's so interesting. And I wonder if there has been any, any investigation of as books have increased in price have they also increased in page page number um, i'm sure someone has done that fascinating economical review <laughs> yes. well and it is also you you um hearken to about the size of the page itself and you know sometimes you open up a book and it is just there's so many words on the page yes. and the font is kind of small and it's just like I don't know, the older I get, the more a yes. font can either, mm, yep, I'm all in on this book or nope, the way, paragraphs are way too long and the mm -hmm. font is too thin and I don't like it. It's not calling to me. Yeah. Basically yeah. too many words, too many too words, many, too many. many nope. Words. Don't have time for all these words. <laughs> One of the best. Do you, are you perhaps too young to know the movie Amadeus, you know, about Mozart? Yes. And, uh, yes. Okay. And so he plays for the king and the king who's a little bit of a, a simpleton, not, not, um, not super cultured. He, he <laughs> looks at, uh, Mozart and goes, there's too many notes, simply too many notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Okay. You alluded to the second book that you're going to talk about. I know that you're in the midst of reading hidden potential by Adam Grant. So share a few nuggets about this tome. I actually finished this one last oh, night. Well done, yeah. Liz. Well uh, yes, done. there's a little yes, a little delay in the notes. Actually, you sent these notes to me last night. So I know, but um, I'm thinking maybe knowing that you're recording today, you're like, I gotta finish it. Gotta do it. The homework's due. Well, <laughs> Teacher's gonna well, ask. <laughs> I will admit this is probably my favorite Adam Grant book that I've read yet. Oh. Um so for those who don't know, uh, Adam Grant is an organizational psychologist at the Wharton School of Business. Um he hosts a really good podcast called Work Life. He wrote originals, think again, givers and takers. I mean, he's a big thinker and researcher. I would put him in the genre of Brene Brown, uh, even Malcolm Gladwell. Mm. But I would say that this is his best work yet. Um, mm. I think because he kind of leans into more of his own process and reveals some of his vulnerabilities, which he has done all along the way, but I feel like it came all together much better in this book. Mm. Um, so in this book, uh, it's called Hidden Potential, The Science of Achieving Greater Things. He talks about how so many of our notions on what we think it takes to achieve success are just plain wrong or unsupported by research. Um, so he's talking along the lines of perfectionism, early talent, toiling away at school. Uh, and he says, you don't need any of those conditions in order to be successful. And he said that to do great things, it really involves getting uncomfortable, which is a theme we hear in every book this year. I would say that that's like the biggest theme I've heard this year in every book oh, is that- interesting. Isn't that interesting? I was thinking about that. Like if I had to um, put a 2023 theme on these books, it's this idea of getting uncomfortable, which makes me think, my goodness, we have really softened up. We're comfortable and we don't want to do hard things anymore. So mm. yeah, you can save yourself a lot of money in self-help books by just getting uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> and then his other, his other things for doing great things would be to be a sponge. So to try to learn and soak up everything. Uh, finding joy outside of the daily grind and aiming for imperfection versus perfection. Mm. And like um, Grant's other books, I would say that this book is best to digest one chapter at a time. Yet I would say compared to his other books, this is a generally quicker read. It comes in at 230 pages. So it's it's not too far off the sweet spot there. But I like how he brings in a lot of fresh research. Mm. All right. You're selling it, woman. 
Yeah, it's, I really do think it's good. Um, and I would say that, you know, he saved the best for last. I think the best part of the book was actually the epilogue, which I don't mm. think I've, I mean, does anyone actually read the epilogue? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the prologue. I feel like you give the prologue a chance because you open up a book and you're like, oh, there's all this possibility. I'm going to mm. dig into the prologue, <laughs> you know? And by the time you get to the epilogue, you're like, okay, I'm over it. Like, let's, let's, let's clean this up, finish it up and get out of here and on to the next one. See, but in a novel, you definitely read the epilogue because it's going to, you know, oh, it's going to be five years later. And did they stay together and have the baby or not? You know, (laughs) very true. Well, in in this epilogue, I feel like it's the best part of the book because Grant here, he talks about the power of dreaming big. And I would Mm. say that my call to action for everyone looking into the new year is to not be afraid to dream big. And You know, Adam Grant, he brings up this research where they found that people with bigger dreams go on to achieve greater things. So when economists tracked thousands of people from birth to age 55, they found that the aspirations they formed as adolescents foreshadowed how their adult lives unfolded. So our dreams actually forecast how we progress and who we become. So I would Hmm. say as we look into this new year, I would encourage every listener to dream big and then to do that dream justice by investigating what it really takes to get there. So going back to the first book we talked about. Mm -hmm. So honestly looking at yourself and recognizing the gap between where you are and where you want to be, and then get to work day by day, chip away to prepare and take action towards your success. Fall in love with the process. And then whether you win or lose or fail, or you don't even get to start the race, maybe, just reflect on what you've learned in the process and who you've become along the way. And to me, this learning and this love of the process is the true measure of success and how we get closer to achieving our potential. Hmm. That is lovely, Liz. And Thank you. I thought that would wrap it up nicely for the, the whole year and all of these books I've read. Yes, exactly. Yes. All right. Okay. Well, So, and we're not going to have any spoilers about your 2024 goal. We will cover that in the episode that'll air on January 26th. So stay tuned for more of Coach Liz's brilliance, folks. (laughs) Oh, boy. Boom.